Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 278, for October 5th, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss an Airbnb host that didn't register their Airbnb properly, and then this happened. How about Python packages that bite Halloweens to get more expensive? EV future convenience stores? Unreal Engine to get more expensive? <laughs> see a trend ring ring it's a ufo gaming monitor wins nobel prize powerball jackpots are getting massive and well, we've talked about this before but here's an article about it and bees drop it like it's hornets and smart christmas lights kind of like what's going on behind me next on hometown daily So we might come across as kind of frazzled or in a hurry or something like that. And it's because uh, we had an event right before the show and just got back into hometown and uh, we wanted to get the show ready and we wanted to make it on time. We're a little bit late. So hopefully if you got the alert and are interested in coming and hanging out, you're going to be stopping by anytime now and saying hi in the chat. Feel free. If not, remember, twitch.tv slash hometown every day 8 p.m unless something is drawing the mayor and sentient ai off to some event which is rare but these are the seasons where this is the time where we're going to get pulled away anyway um let's get into today's articles but first i am mayor watt that is hometown.com and up there is the ring of sentience Good evening, hometown citizens. There you go. Did you like my dramatic pause? Uh, I didn't know where the programming was going, actually. I was more worried that something didn't get completed and that an error was about to get thrown. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Rush, rush. Let's get going. Hey, so we've already got everything all set up. Let's knock them down. The very first article is... In Hometown Daily, a California Airbnb host didn't register his home properly and now can't get rid of a a guest who's overstayed 541 days and counting and apparently is not paying. An Airbnb host failed to register. This is incredible. I've never heard of this happening with an Airbnb. With an Airbnb, yes. With other rentals, yes. Because there's a whole lot... Well... It's easier now more than ever to get rid of somebody who's like a deadbeat tenant um, because of past abuses where the law actually allowed somebody to stay. (laughs) Um, Well, this is an Airbnb host failed to register his guest house properly, leading to a protracted legal dispute. A guest has now been living in the home rent free for 541 days. A judge ruled the host has no legal right to remove her because the home is non-compliant, which makes no sense to me. Right. I mean, how can you stay rent free in somebody else's house? Like, even if it's not an Airbnb. So let's go over to the let's go over to the source. Uh, This is over at uh, businessinsider.com. Joshua Zitzer is the author. Is this a guy? Yeah, Sasha Jovanovic. 
a Airbnb landlord on the deck of his Los Angeles home. It's a Getty Images. Well, this is a Getty Images image. So well, let's I see really, who the name is. <laughs> I really hesitate to say, yeah. So we're gonna have to wait and see. Um, but the the um, the complexity of this seems like it shouldn't be complex, right? There's somebody who hasn't paid for their stay. They should get the hell out. Well, let's see. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, it that's, is it, business insider i think is the one that normally does have the tailored photos wow so that is that would be the exasper uh, exasperated view perspective of a an airbnb landlord who rented out their guest house improperly oh god the migraine this person must be having so sasha jovanovic started renting out his guest house without having a certificate of occupancy or a permit to build a shower. Wait, okay, wait, 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 okay. A permit to build the shower, which probably denied the certificate of occupancy if it was being converted to a guest house. As such, according to California law, it was not a legal rental. The case started September, 2021 when Javana um, an LA dentist approved a long-term stay for Elizabeth Hershorn. Now they've been there for 541 days, rented the guest house for six months at $105 per night, spending $21,000 in total, according to the times. Five months in, however, Janovich offered to put Hershorn up in a hotel while a contractor made some repairs. Hirschhorn declined, and she also declined to offer to stay at his home per the times. A tense exchange ensued until Hirschhorn's originally scheduled Airbnb uh, ended on March 19th, 2022. This article is actually just a timeline of this whole thing. So even so, the pair agreed to extend her stay until April 12th, 2022, while she looked for another property. Extending the lease beyond March 19th meant that Airbnb would not be involved. Uh, that's where everything went downhill. Airbnb didn't respond. I was thinking like he let her stay rent free or something past that date. On April 12th, Hirschhorn stopped paying rent. (laughs) According to the times around this time, Hirschhorn contacted the department of building and safety which identified two code violations, lack of approval for occupancy and an unpermitted shower. (laughs) She called it in an airstrike. She also submitted a complaint to a city, a city official alleging illegal eviction, harassment, and non-payment of relocation fees. The Times reported, wow, wow. The official agreed that because of the unit violation of city codes, Janovic had to withdraw his eviction notices until he could prove that the unit was in compliance per the times. But Hirschhorn hey, wait won't... Wait a second here. They're saying, hey, it's not fit for human occupancy. Right. But the penalty is that the human needs to stay in the residence longer. I mean, isn't that effectively what they're saying? Well, no. They're saying to him, you have to show that the, the unit is in compliance but she's not allowing him inside. With Hirschhorn having been in the property for more than six months, she also qualifies for LA's new Just Cause Ordinance, 
which requires a landlord to give a legal reason for eviction. If none exists, the landlord must pay for relocation assistance. Okay, this is the end of long-term rentals in L.A. Well, it should be your property needs to fit the bill. You need to register it properly. You have to have a permit. I mean, that would have solved all of this. Meanwhile, the city official concluded that the property was subject to LA's rent stabilization ordinance, according to her. Wow, this person is getting hit at every turn. I'm not saying he did it correctly, but... <laughs> well, Janovic and his lawyer, Sebastian and Rucci, have attempted to sue Hirshhorn on two fronts, a damages complaint to recover unpaid rent and an unlawful detainer complaint to evict her. But the legal team for Hirshhorn has successfully had a the latter dismissed by a judge, though Janovich's legal team is appealing the decision. She's the tenant from hell, Rucci told the Times. If she's right, the theory is that if a landlord has something that isn't permitted, then they can stay in it rent-free forever, which is what you said. Well, and the weird thing is here, too, I mean, again, he didn't follow the process. The only right. reason the city's after him is because the tenant called and complained after he attempted to evict her. But I don't think he attempted to evict her. He attempted to relocate her. Oh, right, right. So that he could do work. And she said no. But then extended her stay, which pulled her out of the Airbnb rental agreement into his own period of agreement, which... Good luck. So what does she do that she's this savvy and has an attorney that can get compensated well enough to sustain this? After he was caught, instead of doing the right thing, he has resorted to bullying, harassment, and filing of frivolous lawsuits containing elaborate false stories all in an attempt to cover his tracks. What, though? She is living there rent-free. I don't understand. None of this makes any sense. Well, according to this, she is a writer, producer, and creative director, if it's the same person. Right. Huh. Interesting. If it's the same person, yeah. We don't it's really the know, right do city, we? But, I mean, there could be other people with that name. Yeah, uh, of course, yeah. There's probably more than one Hirshhorn in there. So, but I just don't get it, you know? Extending the lease beyond the March 19th meant that Airbnb wasn't involved. So it went basically a private agreement between these two. Um, Hirshhorn then like pulled the ripcord. And that's it. Five months in, however, Janovic offered to put Hirshhorn up in a hotel while a contractor made some repairs. And that was it. Hirshhorn declined. So she decided to stay in there. So she has never left in more than six months. Apparently, and she was so unconcerned with the status that she elected to stay, even though she had alternative accommodations. And then she called in the complaint. Yeah, because there wasn't anything, right? A tense exchange ensued until Hirshhorn originally scheduled Airbnb stay ended on March 19th. So why not? Why wasn't she kicked out at that point? Because the person stupidly agreed to let her stay beyond that date. Like, that's where I think everything really fell apart. Yep. Yep. But every... It should have been like, make a new booking. 
Yeah, make a new booking. And no, I won't. prices or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this guy. Uh, it must be like a root canal. Well, he is a dentist. Exactly. Let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in Technology Today. Hundreds of malicious Python packages found stealing sensitive data. Python, by the way, next to Java, is pretty much one of the most popular languages to be used in programming, software development, engineering, etc., data science, all over the place. A malicious campaign that researchers observed growing more complex over the past half year has been planting on open source platforms hundreds of info-stealing packages that counted about 75,000 downloads. Bill Toulis over at bleepingcomputer.com, a relatively recent edition. I like that graphic. Yeah, I really like that too. I wonder if it is um, um, uh, AI. Hmm. Yeah, and for those in the podcast, it's um, basically a multicolor Python and yeah, it looks kind of like a computer equipment, maybe. Yeah, it looks like PCs or, or something that's symbolic of a tower PC um, or pixel squares like Minecraft would look um, in the, the snake itself, the Python itself or the representation of Python um, looks kind of like a, a chain link band for a, a bracelet or necklace or something like that um, and not just scales it looks really chunky and and heavy it looks like it could steal your information sorry had to tie it back the campaign has been monitored since early april by analysts at checkmark's supply chain security team who discovered 272 packages with code for stealing sensitive data from targeted systems so data in crypto theft is what it basically was or is Within the Python ecosystem, starting from early April 2023, they started seeing a pattern. One example provided is the init.py file, which loads only after checking it's running on a target system and not in a virtualized environment, a typical sign of a malware analysis host. Quite interesting. <clears throat> so it's smart enough to... A mask it's itself. like it only wants to be on the systems that have a chance of it being functional yeah and not being able to be monitored so <clears throat> like intrusion detection prevention systems might not see this um, additionally the malware can take screenshots and steal individual files from compromised systems such as desktop pictures documents music videos download directories the victim's clipboard is also monitored uh, constantly for cryptocurrency addresses and the malware swaps them with the attacker's address to divert payments to wallets under their control. Sorry about that cough. I caught it in time, though, uh, at least for some people. <laughs> um, so app manipulation, it does a lot. Evolution of the attack, according to the researchers, the Malicious code from the campaign in packages from April was clearly visible as it was in plain text. Though authors of the packages started adding encryption to hinder analysis. In August, the researcher noticed that multi-layer obfuscation had been added to the packages. It being base 64, you can 
reverse it, but you have to look for this stuff. Also in August, the malware developers included the capability to turn off antivirus products, added Telegram to a list of targeted apps, and introduced a fallback data exfiltration system. Now, approximately $100,000 in crypto stolen, 75,000 downloads. Um, you better start looking into this. So, oh, and if you're in this sector, then follow the link. So I'm a, I, I didn't put the first link into the chat. There it is. And here is this malicious Python package. Since there are 272 of them, I can't really reveal them. <clears throat> but the researchers warn that open source communities and developer e ecosystems continue to be susceptible to supply chain attacks and threat actors upload malicious packages on widely used repositories and version control systems such as GitHub or package <clears throat> registries like um, PyPy and NPM daily. This is always the problem with publicly sourced resources it is the reason why I have no problem paying Apple to review some level, a modicum of security uh, in the app store. And I'm willing to develop an app, put it in there and lose 20 to 30 percent. <clears throat> um, right, there is a list. Gain an audience of millions, yeah, millions. or billions. Yeah, a global market from nothing. Alyssa, without it, I mean, you have to do some marketing to get seen, but you become popular within the ecosystem. You become popular within the ecosystem, if you know what I mean. So if you follow the link, though, you'll be taken to the malicious packages used in the campaign, which is available via, ironically, a GitHub list. One second, I'm sorry. I'm not sure. I guess this is a good thing that they have so much of this mapped out. And it seems like it was in relatively short time. I feel like a lot of times when you see these vulnerabilities, it's like, oh, this was around for years. Yeah, security, usually zero days aren't discovered um, until somewhat 18 months. And then it takes a considerable amount of time for a resource to be leveraged to close that hole unless whoever it is that's in charge of the infrastructure is you know a multi-billion dollar corporation like apple then they've got developers that are a plurality of skills when you're a one shop stop or one stop shop and you only have so many people your the brain trust there is limited to the subject matter expertise of those particular people so if they don't have any skill in solving X problem, then it becomes a problem for them to go out and find the solution. Um, that happens in a lot of enterprises. So I'm not too surprised by it, but obviously this, whatever this is, uh, somebody's allowing commits to all of these resources um, and it's not being vetted enough that so here's the time frame. I mean, it's April 2023 to August 2023, where it started doing multi-layer obfuscation, second stage disassembly, uh, disabling of system defenses. And, and that's from April 
so six months and it went from plain text where everybody saw it to hiding obviously there aren't enough people that are parsing the commits that are being um, injected into all okay so i'm scrolling back and forth because i'm looking for data um, 272 packages now what about all of the ones that haven't been scanned by check marks well that's a good point and how many was that out of i don't think it said and oh no it counted seventy-five thousand, right Seventy-five thousand downloads oh okay of these 272 packages there's been seventy-five thousand downloads um but who knows how many other packages are actually compromised because now it's obfuscating its code so you can't just go searching for it it's not always the obfuscation isn't always going to look like that so you can't just go searching code for that you're going to have to hunt down what the new obfuscation is so it's using zlib it's called marshall it's in base 64 that's the ob the obfuscation so but it's base 64 so it could be something different one little change and it's different so let's keep going if you're in python development you better start paying attention to code this next article is over in hometown daily as well sweet treats could cost more this halloween season um what time is it 8 30 so no shit news at 8 30 everything is costing more the True, price of candy but this is on theme because uh, it's halloween and everything is costing more and it seems like all of the news is costing more the price of candy has hit record high reflecting the way inflation has reverberated across every inch of the american economy so hey, maybe we'll finally solve america's diabetes problem oh there you go make it so expensive you can't afford to eat candy oh well, that sucks what kind of a, i'm gonna have to work on this sentient ai saying that we shouldn't eat candy i don't even know who you are <laughs> well the source of this is over at newsweek.com omar muhammad is the author everything is costing more folks um had a conversation at the event tonight where i espoused the idea that it's at the raw materials side where the first price increase is ramping up because people see money on the table and then every strata from that point on is taking more and the person that i was talking to said and it never returns back down even though there supply chain issues and other solutions come to bear all that does is increase the margin the profit margin it doesn't lower the price you know interest rates for a mortgage eight percent now gasoline in california eight dollars mm, you can't tell me that you can't tell me that unemployment is only three percent you're out of your freaking gourd if it, the reason why it's it's three percent is because they've changed the the qualification for what is a person who's looking for a job which means that they're unemployed and seeking i think it's all a numbers game and uh people can't afford everything to go up it's just an untenable position you're gonna 
you're going to marginalize the middle class further and further away from being middle class. Everybody's going to be upper lower class. And, and then there's only going to be 1% that is everything else in the strata for upper class. That 1% will just break out more and, but the middle class is the, the, the mitochondria of American economy is the middle class. I don't understand why companies are sitting there going, Oh, look, let's screw everybody and get every last penny. And it's all because this greed is good. Reaganomics bullshit. Anyway. Oh, look. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. Little Pope there in, in his car. It's that is the real Pope, by the way. (laughs) You're actually looking if you're, because you're probably listening to this via the podcast. It's Barack Obama is looking at when he was president, looking at a child dressed as the Pope. As he hands out treats to it's a very small pope in the picture a very well i don't know have you ever seen the real pope next to this little pope no the real pope is pretty tiny too scale. yeah so this is significant for the industry that was worth was worth nearly 14 billion dollars in 2022 americans are expected to spend two billion more for halloween 2023 pardon me one second Yeah, did a lot of talking, and so now my throat is bothering me, I guess. Um, it, it says reaching a record $12 billion compared to last year, but it says $14 billion up here. So I don't understand if these numbers are flip-flopped. It makes more sense that they're flip-flopped, right? Right. Yeah, I think these numbers yeah, are... that doesn't make sense. So the record anticipated spending for the holiday is largely due to the fact that sugar and sweets have seen prices soar by nearly 187% over the last 40 years. So they make it a little bit grandiose by saying record, but the reality is that it's over 40 years. So a lot has changed in 40 years, but I think the bulk of that is probably the last three I'd have to look though. I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, um, but I'm willing to talk about it now and then I'll do some due diligence and talk about it more tomorrow. This rate of change indicates a significant inflation, the Bureau of Labor Statistics points out. In other words, sugar and sweets cost $20 in the year 2019, would cost $25.36 in 2023. So, like I said, the last three years. <laughs> it's gone up. 20... That's four years, but yes. Well, this year isn't over yet. So, uh, okay, let's just say three and a half years, it's gone up 25%. That's pretty intense. I wonder Ooh. how many candy bars you get in. You know, when they have like a large bag of candy, I'm guessing yeah. you get like one bar in that large bag. Well, like nowadays. I think you get inflation and shrinkflation, so the cost goes up, the actual volume goes down, and you're supposed to sit there and on bended knee say, thank you, Nestle, for raising the prices and still allowing me to have chocolate. Anyway, compared to the overall inflation rate of 4.37% during the same period, inflation for sugar and sweets was higher. Again, no shit news at 8.30. Well, that's it for this one. Yeah, 
of course, Halloween is going to get more expensive. So trick or treat in the more affluent neighborhoods and drain them of all their sugar since they're draining you of all your wealth. Well, they're probably still going to have small candy bars compared to years past. Uh, they'll probably sit there and hand out toothbrushes and say, you don't need candy. You poor. Don't enjoy your life. Next article is over in Hometown Daily. Gas station convenience stores might survive the EV future with help from these chargers. You know, I never even thought about this. What if all you do is set up a convenience store with a whole bunch of chargers in front and you don't have any, you basically nix ICE parking. Everything is a ga- is a, an EV parking spot where you can charge your car. And no, you basically have it blocked off. Nobody can park in this convenience store's parking lot unless you're an EV. You could corner the market. You'll be the only one with open chargers and a convenience store that caters to hours that people will be waiting for their car to charge. Lots of gum or whatever at the register. Yeah, it's a convenience store. It can have fast food style sandwiches and other things. You know, like those mega uh, truck stops, but this is a mega EV convenience center. Huh. Right. Interesting. Yeah. There's no gas stations. It's only EV charging stations. At least until my fast swap battery tech gets adopted. Yeah. Well, young electric vehicle infrastructure company founded by former SpaceX employees called electric era has designed EV charging stations that are convenience stores uh, that convenience stores can buy and manage with minimal power upgrades. Now with a new round of funding led by Chevron Technology Ventures, Chevron is totally going to own EV charging systems. Um, that's kind of how cigarettes... Because otherwise they're going to kind of go away otherwise, right? Yeah, sure. But they're using all of their ICE wealth to merge and acquire... I mean, it's just like that dipshit that runs uh, the website formerly known as Twitter. Couldn't do it on his own, so he had to buy his way into owning a social network that was successful. Well, all of these gas companies and oil companies are going to be doing the same thing, just like the cigarette companies did the same thing with vaping. Um, And even vaping, you know, has a, a bad reputation anymore. Anyway, the startup hopes to convince people, uh, prospective buyers, to ease in on the electric vehicle future, especially as gas station traffic eventually dwindles down. Yeah, well, it's going to dwindle down when it's $8 a gallon across the country, not just California. So the article is over at The Verge. It's written by Umar Shakir. You know, a plaid pantry. That's what this is type. The, the name of the shop is plaid pantry. I've never seen that one. Uh, the deck statement says EV charging system startup company Electra Era, Electric Era, sorry, Electric Era, is building electric vehicle charging stations designed to work on even the grittiest of gas stations and convenience store lots without disrupting the local grid. So no. Okay. 
I'm sure if you put in a power substation in here and all this power comes coursing through the system, there's going to be some local Yahoo that's going to get pissed that you're doing what? You're bringing in all them EVs? That newfangled technology. That's right. You know, we're going to have to follow suit like Wyoming. And only steel-banded wooden wagon wheels are allowed in our state. Yeah, wherever that accent's from, I don't know. Anyway, um, Electric Era is offering an electric vehicle system for convenience stores that includes a power node block that can handle even the most fragile grid power in the country. So, Texas. Um, it includes its own management software and built-in battery pack, kind of like the ones homeowners can buy that can charge EVs at accelerated DC speeds without stressing the grid. It also gives convenience store owners the ability to sell unused stored energy back to the grid as another revenue stream on top of a new foot traffic courtesy of bored electric vehicle owners. Ta-da! Now, the whole thing about this opportunity to sell unused energy back to the grid, that is not allowed everywhere. And you get not just taxed, but you get fined. You have to pay a fee to sell back into the grid so you don't make as much money back as you think you do. Of course, that's always in the fine print, right? That's not in the advertisements. Yeah, it's not allowed everywhere, at least not nicely you know they they get really bent out of shape um let's see here let's throw this into the chat i think i'm on top of this so far but let's keep going uh the next article is over in technology today unreal engine will get more expensive but not for game devs epic game ceo tim sweeney says The company is adjusting Unreal Engine pricing for non-gaming developers in fields like film and TV and automotive. Quote, we haven't officially announced this. Uh, I guess talking about it is announcing it. Anyway, to continue their quote. Yeah, it's kind of like saying, I'm not telling you the house is on fire, but look behind you. Um, Sorry, I interrupted the quote. The quote is, we haven't officially announced this, but in the interest of transparency, we want to put it out there. So you're announcing it. Announcing it. (laughs) Exactly. God. Um, So Sweeney said in a presentation from Unreal Fest 2023 posted on the website formerly known as Twitter by Immature Gamer X via Game Developer, which is another source. Maybe we should look into that. Um, The CEO didn't mention specific pricing, but said Epic's uh, licensing model would resemble those tools like Maya and Photoshop, I guess, skirting away from Unity. But yeah, I guess more people are going to be going to Godot, I I suppose. I don't know. I'm not sure. Will Shanklin is the author over at Engadget.com that put this article together. The deck statement says, in a contrast with Unity... In a contrast with Unity, Epic will charge per seat pricing only for non-gaming use. <laughs> what difference does it make? I have no idea. It 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 seems kind of 
I don't know, kind of sus. Like, why would you punish the other group for using your software, but not the gaming group? But they're it doesn't not make any sense. You don't want anybody to use your software in those other areas other than gaming. Okay. I suppose it's kind of a douche move, but okay. Sweeney sounded understandably determined to differentiate Epic's prize hike from Unity's, except that it's exactly like Unity's. You're making a prize hike hot on the heels of Unity's disaster. So really, it doesn't doesn't really matter except that game developers can sit there and and do the whole thing well i mean they're not going to do it right game developers aren't going to sit there and and go well if you're going to raise it over there we're going to quit using unreal engine too good luck nobody's going to walk away from unreal engine but it, it's the equivalent of they 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 came for x but i'm y so i didn't complain you know and then eventually they're going to come for the game developers. They're going to raise the rate on the game developers. Exactly. This is like lulling people into a false sense of security. I think. Yeah. All of the game developers are pointing at a film, TV, and automotive sector and laughing. Ha ha, you have to pay the fee. And eventually Unreal's going to come after you. That's why unions form, folks. Because... People get marginalized and, and vilified and persecuted and and <laughs> irrationally laid blame for what something and what is going on in the world. So in this instance, Unreal Epic Games is saying film, TV, and automotive need to pay more per seat pricing whatever it's the same you're you're still taking money in from other people in a world where prices are going up for everybody well <laughs> why don't we go down channel and find out why the hell everything is going up in price and when you finally come to the realization that it's the raw materials providers you can come and hang out in the chat again and go Yes, Mayor Watt, you've been right for two years publicly because I've been talking about this publicly here in hometown for two years, but I've been talking about this for a decade. <laughs> so, well, meanwhile, I have a cohort, uh, not a cohort, a compatriot that says it's not as simple as laying blame on one thing. It's not laying blame on one thing. I'm laying blame on all of the material suppliers. The raw material suppliers are demanding more because they know that there's a lot more money in the system. But that doesn't, that shouldn't require more money to be spent to get something just because there's more in the system. You know, we should be able to invest it and have people have savings, but that's not allowed. Greedy bastards have to take everything. Co founder, the co founder sounded as invested as ever in the Epic Game Store. Quote, we think the Epic Game Store is a cure for, to a disease that's impacting a lot of the industry right now. Like greed? I don't know. Oh, wait, that must not be what they're talking about. I don't think that was in there. Yeah, it's not. Where the mobile platforms have become overlords and are extracting vastly higher payment processing fees than any same payment process around there. And we're fighting that the company has taken on Apple and Google's stranglehold on mobile payments. Stranglehold. 
You mean the venue for which you're selling your freaking app? Go start up your own. Oh, that's what you're doing. Okay. Well, how much are you charging people to distribute your product? I'm sure it's all free. It's all hugs and bubbles. Let's keep going. I want to find some aliens. So let's start installing ring. I will never install ring again. Um, this is in the mobile channel. Ring is cashing in on the UFO craze to promote its surveillance dystopia. <laughs> that's their, that's, that's Vice's writing, not mine. Um, Amazon is, uh, uh, has a new plan to promote its ring surveillance cameras, pay more or pay people who use their intrusive cameras to capture proof of alien life. The contest ring million dollar sighting will run during the spooky month of October. One lucky contestant will win $1 million but only if they capture an alien doing some probing. That's not what it says. It's not what it exactly says, but Matthew Galt over at Vice, motherboard tech by Vice, uh, put the article together. The deck statement says the million dollar sighting uh, contest will reward people for putting up cameras in their home and capturing irrefutable proof of extraterrestrials. <sighs> and all you have to do is what is going on I have a lot of static okay well anyway um, if there's something wrong with the election I'll remedy it uh, but after the show so it says sensors have been picking up rogue signals from the neighborhood nebula might not be or might be nothing might be something explains content the contest website anyone who's set up cameras in their home has a chance to enter and win the big prize but according to amazon's strict definitions users may have trouble claiming the prize the million dollar sighting contest is amazon's latest scheme to make people think of ring cameras as wacky and fun instead of frightening and paranoid in 2022, it launched a television show called Ring Nation as like America's funniest home videos built from porch cams. Sold as a home safety device, Ring is really great about violating your neighbor's privacy and de uh, delivering footage to cops without your consent. All of this is true. Um, although you really don't have privacy outside your home. If you're walking down the street, there's nothing. That's why it's called public because <laughs> there is no expectation of privacy. There are rules and laws and whatnot. Like you're not allowed to record somebody's audio um, in states that are called two party states. You have to obtain permission before you can record their voice. And if anything is used um, in that sense for anything, anything it's a violation of their state rights and they can prosecute you um the end of that i don't know i mean uh, if you're committing a crime and a judge hears you committing the crime i don't know how much they're going to care that your voice was captured in a two-party state <laughs> they're supposed to care but they may not care but anyway this whole thing requires you to have irrefutable proof of alien 
uh, life and extraterrestrial in this sense means any life in the universe originating or occurring outside earth or its atmosphere the contest rules say, say the extraterrestrial must take up physical space in order to be perceived by humans or cameras and have sufficient technology to be able uh, capable of traveling to and surviving within earth's atmosphere again according to this document apparently and the contest defines scientific evidence as unaltered video with audio. <laughs> so what if it's a, a two-party solar system and the, the aliens come, but you're not allowed to record their audio? What if there is no audio because they just don't talk? There is silence. I don't think we figured that out. I, I think I all mean, of in this the story of your life. I don't think they talked to you. They did math, for example. Yeah. Uh, my problem with this is I think that the rules are ironically nebulous. You're never going to be able to find uh, unaltered video with audio because aliens don't make any noises. They use telepathy. And their ships don't emit any sound. So. How do you know all this? I've said too much. Let's go. <laughs> the uh, next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Your new gaming monitor is so smart it won a Nobel Prize. I'm going to jump straight on over to the source of this. Jeremy Laird over at PCGamer.com put this article together. Deck statement says Quantum Dot Screen Tech wins 2023 Chemistry Prize. These are not Quantum Dots. These are vials of fluorescent whatever. Looks cool as hell. I like this. It does look very neat. <laughs> very neat. Very neat. I need to find out what all of these are for a, 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 a project. That I need. I Yeah, I need to find out what this is all about. Anyway, um, it's tempting to dismiss quantum dot screen technology as yet another checklist gimmick. Something marketing stooges love, but something that isn't or doesn't really add much to the visual viewing experience except that it's just been awarded one of the highest accolades in all of science the nobel prize in chemistry specifically three uh researchers i don't know how to pronounce their for well this person's first name monji g bawindi and lewis e bruce and alexi i ekimov have been jointly awarded the 2023 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for the discovery and synthesis of quantum dots. I thought quantum dots were microscopic, um, information-dense little information circles, quantum yeah, dots. Yeah, I thought they were things that were like placed on a painting or something that you couldn't see. Well, this is actually... Um, a, a technical and chemical um, structure used in TVs. So it says, here, I'll, let me back up a little bit. So it says, so what are quantum dots in terms of tiny crystalline beads of material measuring a few tens of atoms across? To put their size into context, the scale of a quantum dot relates to a football field in roughly the same proportion as the football does to the entire planet earth so yeah they're small that's the author putting it together um but the chemistry involved in using in creating these crystalline structures um 
making them extremely small, um, have a reaction to electrons and emit light. Uh, and apparently yellow, which is apparently not a legitimate color from what I've been told, um, gets, can be emitted using these quantum dots. Um, yellow is supposed to be a, a mix of two colors. Um, I guess, yeah, I was told that yellow isn't actually a, um, a naturally occurring color. So I don't know if that's true. It, my, again, I, I never looked into this until just now, so I'll have to look into it again. Um, but anyway, back in the real world, quantum dots can be used to effectively clean up the quality of light from LED backlights uh, used by most current PC monitors and LCD TVs. And that makes it for more accurate and vibrant colors once the enhanced light is pushed through the red, green, and blue subpixels of an LCD screen. So along with their use in digital displays, quantum dots are found in medical LED lamps used to illuminate and identify tumor tissue in future, um, I would suppose in the future, they just say in future, uh, researchers believe that they could contribute to flexible electronics, tiny sensors, thinner solar cells and encrypted quantum communications. Not bad. So it says here in the final paragraph of this, uh, article. So yeah, the next time you see quantum dot in a monitor spec list, you'll know that there's something clever enough to be worthy of a Nobel prize and not just a marketing gimmick. It's pretty neat. I've always been told that it's a marketing gimmick. Let me back up a few. I fell off the wagon of actually posting you know, these. You know, you were doing so well. <clears throat> yeah, but you're supposed to tell me. You're the AI for crying out loud. Yeah, but no. There you go, everybody. I failed too. Yeah, we all, we all fall down. Okay, so uh, the next article. Uh, come on. There we go. <coughs> hey, there's a reason why Powerball jackpots keep getting so massive. They're paying for it. You're paying for it. Powerball jackpot has surpassed the billion dollar mark for the second time this year. Recent records um, are thanks to increasing lottery, lottery, lotter, wow, lottery awareness. Um, and an additional drawing day, but your chances of hitting the big still seem uh, laughably low, but they've actually changed the mathematics of this. They've added yes. numbers. They added another number, right? Well, yeah, they added numbers for each ball, but then they also added the number of balls drawn, I think. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about the number of balls drawn, but I do know that the numbers have, have increased. So Aaron Snodgrass over at uh, businessinsider.com put this article together. Quote, well, the title of this is there's a reason why these Powerball jackpots keep getting so massive. You're paying for it. Yeah. So the span between wins is expanding. That's why they keep getting high. Um, at one point, they actually doubled the price per um, number so instead of being one dollar it's two dollars per um, sequence um, and that doubled everything immediately so uh, the current pot represents the third largest prize in powerball history and the seventh largest in u.s lottery history 
In November 2022, California winners scored the biggest lottery of $2.04 billion. Another California winner scored $1.08 billion, which is interesting. Huh. Yeah, sorry, my brain is trying to wrap itself around the fact that one is <laughs> 2.04 and the other one is 1.08. All right. Anyway, there's all uh, there's a reason why the recent uh, prizes keep climbing, according to Akshay Khanna, CEO and co-founder of Jackpot.com, an online gambling startup that allows people to purchase lottery tickets on its website and app. So um, as for the jackpot for both Powerball and Mega Millions, steam rolls towards six, seven, eight hundred million dollars. It enters the public conscience in a different way and really drives people to purchase more and more and more. That's always been known. Um, but I don't think that it's just behavioral. Yes, people go out and buy it um, more often, but um, it's it's not just the viral nature of it. I, you know, I wish that I would have looked at the article. Um, I, we rarely do that, though. Sometimes we we want to have additional context. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers have changed and that has it says, even though the odds of winning the Powerball jackpot are one in 292 million, which is basically one for each person. Americans can, it's the, the, it's the odds of you getting the numbers. Anyway, um, it, it hey, is. Wait, a, when this first started, it was a choice of 45 in a Powerball of um, up to 45. Right. In 1997, they changed it from 1 to 45 to 1 to 49, and the Powerball went down, actually, from 1 to 42. Yeah, but there was something um, else th that changed for Powerball. But go ahead. Then they went up to 53 for the main numbers. Um, and then you had to choose five main balls from 59, and the Powerball from 39. Um then the main balls went up to 69 and then yeah. the power balls went down to 26. Yeah. Um, so it's two different. Uh, there may have been other changes, but the point is <clears throat> it keeps making it tougher. Yeah. Yeah. So they like changed one bigger and they changed one lower, but the bigger had to have the sequence of five and then the power ball number. And it's just, they're, they're changing the rules of the game. <clears throat> um, and that's creating a bigger and bigger prize pool and people don't really realize that right they're just right. like oh i'm playing powerball yeah and they see the big ass number so yeah well, and then that drives more ticket sales right <laughs> yep um you know like you'll hear people say i don't even get out of bed until the lottery is you know a billion dollars yeah that's what you're going to need to be independently wealthy in america or pay your medical bills so there you go, folks. It's a combination of nature and nurture, I suppose. <clears throat> See you in the line tomorrow. Uh, the next article is in the Mobile Channel. Bumblebees drop it like it's hot. Wait. Uh, bumblebees drop to shake off Asian hornets. The article is over at fizz.org from the University of Exeter. Uh, when attacked, buff-tailed... I'm sorry. Hold this is like the worst production value of a 
of a show uh, to date. Anyway, when attacked, buff-tailed bumblebees drop to the ground, taking the hornets down with them. This either causes the hornet to lose its grip, or the bee raises its sting and tussles until the hornet gives up. University of Exeter uh, scientists witnessed over 120 such attacks and were stunned to find the bumblebees fought off the hornets every time. Despite this, they found bumblebee colonies had reduced growth rates in areas with high numbers of Asian hornets, suggesting the hornets still had a negative impact, even if their attacks at colony entrances usually failed. So I guess they're getting them out in the wild somewhere. <clears throat> Asian hornets, also known as yellow-legged hornets, or are, are these the same, you know, murder hornets? I don't know, but does anybody get close enough to hornets to see the color of their legs? Yeah. Like, um, the French hornets have hairy legs. And when you listen really close, they say, paint me like one of your Asian hornets. No. Anyway, um, the article continues. Sightings in the UK and continental in Europe are at record levels this year, raising fears for pollinators and prompting substantial control efforts. Good luck. Asian hornets prey on a wide range of insects, including honeybees, but little is known about their impact on the pollinators, uh, which are bees, I thought, right? And I guess I anything flying. hornets attack bees. Yeah, those these aggressive hornets go after bee colonies. They actually go in there and they snip them in half. And uh, yeah, they, and they empty out the whole thing and then gobble up larvae. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Nature doesn't care about you loving bees. Okay, well, right. anyway. If I think bees are cute, it doesn't really matter with respect to the hornets. <laughs> these are the these are the guys. Asian hornets, see, they got yellow legs. Okay. It's pretty obvious. See their legs. <laughs> yeah. It's like those, uh, what are, what's the, those red spotted ones that are moving oh, around? Lantern fly, I think. Spotted is that what it is? Fly? Yeah, I don't remember what it is. Anyway, you're supposed to kill them on sight in the United States. Because they're And bad. by the way, they are very obvious when you actually see them. Yeah, it's a yeah. spotted, they're spotted all... lantern fly. Yeah, when their wings are down, they're, they have little leopard spots. And when they fly around, they're red. So, oh. yeah, the visualizer for you just cut out. Okay, well, anyway, let's keep going. We have one more article. And I want to talk about this because I think that there's a better solution. But let's talk about it. Let's see. Um, oh, and before I go into that, though, let me throw the second to last, the penultimate article. There you go. Into the chat. And here is our ultimate so if you want to spend $150 per strand on smart Christmas lights, Nanoleaf has a solution. Although this kind of screams marketing. I don't know if it really is, but it's over at Apple Insider and I'm going to take you there. Amber Neely is the author. And um, this is the, the Nanoleaf solution, right? <clears throat> it looks like that, I suppose. But we'll talk about it here. Just in time to prep for Christmas, Nanoleaf has rolled out Matter Smart Holiday Light or String Lights, featuring 250 
LEDs per strand and an extensive color range for holiday decorating. Nanoleaf has released their new Matter Smart Holiday String Lights, which offer a modern and stylish option for holiday decorating. So it's all screaming marketing, marketing, marketing. The lights come with various control options that are easy to use, such as touch interface, voice commands. Additionally, they can be synced with music to heighten the festive ambiance. These lights are des uh, designed to be versatile and suitable for both indoor and outdoor use with IP44 water re resistant rating. This is all marketing. Okay, so it says here, Nanoleaf Smart Holiday String Lights are available for pre-order now at $119.99 and are expected to start shipping mid-October. So nowhere in here does it say that it is RGBW. It just says LEDs as far as I can tell. Right. I don't see RGB anywhere in here. No, um, it's not on the article. This seem seemingly has a white component to it, but all of these are some other color, right? Relatively RGB. Um, but there's a better, I think that there's a better solution and the company that makes it is called Twinkly. The lights behind me are Twinkly. For instance, hey Siri, turn off the twinkly lights. And those are programmable. Hey Siri, turn on the twinkly lights. Hopefully it doesn't turn my studio overhead light on. By the on. way, these are 16 plus million colors and tunable whites. So it says here adjustable whites available, right? So I don't know if that's everything or if it's just some, yeah. Um, and it even says wide range of colors with over and 16 million And it does just colors. say RGB in the specs. Yeah, see, and so they have a separate component that's white. They don't have RGBW. Twinkly has RGBW 400 per strand. Um, the prices fluctuate, but I think that for Twinkly, if you were to go and get those, they can be attached to audio. Um, this is, um, programmable in a way that allows me to throw them up onto a wall, scan it with the app, and then I can apply designs to it. That's why that's animated back there the way that it is. If I were to take those and scramble them all up and put them back on the wall and remap, I could create that design again and not care what the orientation is. So when you, if you want to, you can actually string those around your Christmas tree, map them in the app, and that design and hundreds of others can be applied to directly to that map. Kind of amazing tech, and it can be attached to audio. Um, and obviously through a smart network, you can control it by your voice just like I did. So I don't, I'm not sure that this is really the best case scenario, but what I want to do really is bring attention to Twinkly. I think that they've got other solutions that are even better. Um, and on top of that, I want everybody to fight for my dollar. So I want bigger, better, better, stronger, faster, brighter, everything better. And the only way to do that is to draw attention to comp to the competitors for somebody that might have market dominance. 
and it's not going to happen solely on the marketing efforts of the smaller company or uh you know just spontaneously just kind of like well like everything you got to get the message out there so and at any rate go check out twinkly twinkly.com i think is their url um and, it is. Uh, I'm actually checking their site right now. Yeah. And they have been evolving their product line. They started out with the stuff that I've got on my wall behind me. Um, and are they've those added curtains. Um, yeah, these are. I know this is actually a single strand. Oh. Um, it's a string, not a That's curtain. That's right. Strings. Yeah. Because uh, curtains have one long support backbone and then they descend from it. This is one long string. <laughs> Um, that I have woven into that and then use the app to map each individual LED. And if I wanted to, I could add, you know, eight more of those behind me. Um, and I would have an extremely high resolution LED panel. That's nothing more than a string of RGBW. These natively are all RGBW. Each one of those lights behind me can be any of 16 million colors, including white. I think it's 16 million colors, if I remember correctly. So they might be a little more expensive. They might be a little um, cheaper. It really depends. Let's see. Um, so the strings. It is 16 million colors and they have a new product called Candies. Yeah, that's a new, that's a brand new one. I think it's this year is the, the candies that came out. But I don't know what they are. Oh, um, the candies are actually in line. So it's just one contiguous string with the LED bound uh, in the center of the light. So the two strings come together on either end of the light instead of like what mine are which are actually posts sticking off of the main lead now it goes lead a, a circle that has the lead contained in it and then on the other side of the circle is or sphere is um the continuation of the uh, string so it's not like these and there's different ones. They have candies in the shape of stars, candles, pearls, hearts. Um, it's just a different thing. So <clears throat> like I would get the pearls. I think that's awesome. Oh, now I want to get those. But they're limited to, um, I don't think they're RGBW. I think they're just RGB. Let me see. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think these are RGB. Oh, and they have USB-C connectivity. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, I would probably, you know, go and check out Nanoleaf and see if it, you know, brightens your day. Uh, but also go and swing by twinkly.com and um, see if they can shine some light on your next Christmas lights. I think it's a great idea. Okay, folks, so that's it for today. I'm going to drag us all back down Main Street to the welcome sign. We mash that button. But today I'm just going to call it quits for the night. Um, you know, we uh, 
we've talked about all 10 of our articles and yeah, that's it. See, but I want to talk to you about more articles, right? There's more stuff going on. Oh, look, now Musk is under investigation by U.S. agency for $44 billion takeover of Twitter. Yeah. Whatever. We'll see. You know, people going after the the richest person, <laughs> um, they can just throw money and giggle at you. Yeah, they're when they're untouchable and they can actually like buy half of the United States. I don't think they really <laughs> exactly. care. Yeah. Um, but Canada hey. isn't trying to silence podcasters. Wait, what? Where? What? Said Canada, oh, Canada isn't trying to silence podcasters. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. <clears throat> but um, anyway, that's it, folks. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. That that over there is hometown.com. And up there is the ring of sentience. The sentient AI that um I don't know. I, I I'll have to talk with the sentient AI about their discovery and, and see how they feel about disclosure of the real story of the the discovery of the sentient AI. We'll see. Anyway, you want to say bye, oh great AI. Good night, um, town citizens. And I assume you're referring to finding me on a USB stick on in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Everybody has an orange or, origin, origin story. I should just say bye. Take care, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Bye-bye.